Good morning. Good morning. Uh, uh, once again, uh, to our uh, Sunday uh, morning Bible class, as we continue to uh, look at some of the parables of the kingdom, and uh, we have spent uh, quite a bit of time the past three or four weeks looking specifically in Matthew chapter 13, which is a chapter that is filled with different kingdom parables, uh, but we have exhausted all of those. We have gone through and touched on every one of those, and so we're going to move on to some of the other kingdom parables found within Scripture. Uh, this morning will be in Matthew chapter 18, starting uh, in verse 15. So we're going to be a little bit uh, later uh, in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 18. And what we're going to be looking at this uh, parable of sometime is referred to as the unmerciful servant. Uh, but really, it's a parable and a lesson on forgiveness, uh, the kingdom and forgiveness. Uh, but before we jump into the, the text uh, this morning, uh, let me give you this uh, illustration. Are many here familiar with John D. Rockefeller? That's a name I think a lot of us have heard before, the Rockefellers. Uh, they built the great standard oil empire. Um, and it's not surprisingly that Rockefeller, in his position, was a man who demanded high performance from his company executives. And there's uh, the story of uh, one day one of those executives made a $2 million mistake. Okay, He, he made a $2 million mistake, and word of this Man's error went through uh, the, the corporation. It went through the offices. You know, everyone was talking about it. Um, and people started to make themselves scarce. Right? They didn't want to be around when the boss came back. And so uh, they, 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 were, they went away. But there was one man in particular who didn't have a choice because he had a meeting with, with Mr. Rockefeller that afternoon. And so he couldn't, you know, avoid that meeting. And so he went in there and uh, he went into his office, uh, Mr. Rockefeller's office. And, you know, he, uh, he approached his desk and he looked up and saw that Mr. Rockefeller was writing on a piece of paper. And this was kind of interesting to him, seeing him uh, writing on a piece of paper. And, and Mr. Rockefeller said to him, you know, I guess you've heard about the $2 million mistake our friend made, he said. And the man said, yes, uh, yes, I did. And he was expecting Rockefeller to explode. But here's what Rockefeller said. He said, well, I've been sitting here listing all of our friends' good qualities on this sheet of paper. And I've discovered that in the past, he has made us more times the amount than he has lost us today in this one mistake. His good, his good points far outweigh his one human error. So I think I ought to forgive him, don't you? Uh, that's the kind of attitude we all want to hear, isn't it? Uh, we, we all make mistakes from time to time, whether it's a $2 million mistake or maybe a, a $2 mistake. Uh, we want to be forgiven. Uh, it, that is something that we want uh, to receive. Uh, maybe not necessarily it's a lot harder for us to give uh, that, but we want to receive forgiveness. And that's what this parable about the, this unmerciful servant is all about. But before we get into the parable, we, we need to kind of see some of the background uh, to this uh, parable. Starting in verse 15, 
Jesus is going to lay out for them, for his disciples, what one must do uh, if someone sins against them. And so let's read verses 15 through 20. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Okay, so Jesus is teaching uh, about discipline and about prayer all in one and um, you know, again, in the normal course of life, um, a brother or a sister may sin against us. You know, and Jesus is telling us what we need to do about that. Um, he says that the offended brother should go to the one who sinned against him in an effort to restore his brother. And, and it's interesting when, when you read the history on this, especially uh, you know, the, the Jewish rabbis, the Pharisees at this time, uh, they, in their... Uh, their own teachings, and um, they, they would teach that um, you know if you, if someone sinned against you, uh, you were or they were to come to you. But Jesus is saying that you need to go to them. Right? You go to them and you point out what they did. Um, and, and to do this, the the rabbis uh, again going back to what the rabbis said, they said that. Um, they, the, the offending party must make an effort to correct the problem in the presence of witnesses. Okay, so not, so not going to them in private at first, but you, you want to have witnesses all around. Sometimes they would require it to be repeated up to three times. And obviously their concern was not for the condition of the offender, but instead they were practicing a form of humiliation. Right? They wanted to humiliate the, the individual who, who had sinned against someone and, of course, that's not what Jesus is teaching at all here. He says, um, again, if a brother sins against you, go to him in private and take care of it. Okay? Go to him in private so that, you know, the whole church doesn't have to get involved, that everyone doesn't need to know about this. But, he says, if he doesn't listen to you, then take two or three witnesses. Um, you know, this is coming out of the Old Testament uh, take two or three witnesses and, and, and sit down with him again and, and sh you know, show him his fault. And if he again refuses to listen, then Jesus says, take it before the church. Right? Take it before the church and let him be as a Gentile and a tax collector. Okay, so Jesus is laying this out. And now look at the next few verses in chapters 21 and 20, or, excuse me, verse 21 and 22. Listen to what Peter here says. He says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. See, so, you know, Peter is aware of this, you know, this kind of uh, three 
you know, a multiple of three type of thing of going to your brother or having him come to you and to uh, uh, ask for forgiveness. Again, the rabbis, t- you know, they basically taught a three strikes and you're out type of system, right? Um, th- they want you to come three different times and ask for forgiveness. And so Peter, he, he probably thought he was pretty generous, right? Because he said, how many times should I forgive him? Up to seven, right? So he's taking that three and doubling it and adding one. And Jesus' answer shows that he was more concerned, or that Peter was more concerned with his, or Jesus was more concerned with his disciples having the type of loving heart that could truly forgive, right? Because what was Jesus' answer? It wasn't a fixed amount. Uh, Even though he says 70 times 7, he's not saying up to 490 times. Is that right? 70 times 7, 490. Asking the math professor. (laughs) Uh, But... uh, He's not saying a finite amount of times that you need to get, forgive him, but he, it's infinity, right? Every time he asks for forgiveness, um, that he's repentant and he's asking for forgiveness, uh, you need to forgive him. And it's interesting because Peter adds, right? Peter's adding, but Jesus is multiplying, right? That, that's how Jesus wants us as Christians to forgive, to, to multiply that forgiveness, and the bounds of a Christian's forgiveness should be the same as the bounds of God's forgiveness. Because, of course, um, children of God must strive to exhibit uh, the love of their father. And, you know, how hard is that to do? How hard is to exhibit that type of love when, when Jesus gives us commands such as in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and following? Uh, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. And he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Right, so Jesus has laid out for us that you know, we need to love our enemies. We need to forgive our enemies. Uh, God is instructing this, and this is the thinking uh, that is being based upon this parable that Jesus is about to tell. So let's, let's read the parable in full, and then we'll go through and analyze it and, and pick out some points uh, as we go through. But the parable of the unmerciful servant, starting in verse 23 of Matthew 18. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. 
But he was unwilling and went back and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw that what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Verse 35, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Okay, and so that's, that's the conclusion of this parable that Jesus gives in verse 35. That uh, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Right? So it's not just a, a type of forgiveness that, um, you know, that, that you just want to forgive to get on with it, to get past with it. But it's a forgiveness from our hearts. Right? That's the type of forgiveness, again, that God wants. And so in this parable, the, the king uh, that we meet uh, stands for God. And he called his servants to come in uh, for an accounting. And one was brought in who owed this king 10,000 talents. Now, when you read uh, scholars um, on this, you know, trying to get an equivalency of what these 10,000 talents would be in today's terms, um, it's all over the board, right? Because uh, a talent was used by uh, the Jews, it was used by the Romans, and they had their own separate uh, weight scale. You know, some said that a talent weighed 75 pounds, others would say more up to 115 pounds. Um, and a talent could be made of gold or silver or copper. So again, putting a price tag on these 10,000 talents is going to be difficult for you and I today because we don't know exactly in the context uh, what, um, what type of talent he is talking about. We, but the, the point is um, that we're trying to or that Jesus is trying to get through is this is a lot. Right? This is a lot of money that is owed. I mean, we're talking today millions or even close to billions of dollars that this, um, that this uh, slave owed his master. And again, the idea is, is that he is in a hopeless condition, that there is no way possible that this man is going to be able to work off this debt. Right? And as we think about that, we too, we too are debtors of our heavenly king. Um, God's wonderful love for us, for mankind, can be seen in the king's willingness to forgive us of that great debt, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, Paul said in Romans six twenty three, And so, you know, because we sin, we owe a great debt uh, to the Lord, but he is willing to forgive those, uh, to those who come to him in obedience. You know, David uh, in the Psalms has a lot to say about this. Psalm 103, verse 12, he says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Right? He, he has taken our sins, our iniquities, our transgressions, and he has taken them as far as the east is from the west. And David also said in Psalm 130, verse 7, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. Right? Uh, the debt that we owe our heavenly king is insurmountable, um, just as in this parable. But he has taken those things away. He is abundance in redemption. 
And the New Testament has things to say about this as well. He says that in Acts 3, verse 19, it says that God will blot out our sins or he will wipe away our sins. Uh, That in Hebrews 8, verse 12, he says he will forget our sins. Of course, God doesn't forget, but but the idea is is that, you know, he won't remember those on the day of judgment. And he treats us as if we had never sinned. You know, remember uh, last week we talked about the prodigal son. And and he decided to come back uh, to his father's house. And his father saw him a long ways out in the distance. And when he saw his son coming back to him, you know, he ran to him and embraced him and hugged him and put on a robe and a ring and slayed the, the fatted calf. And they were going to have this great celebration because the son that was once lost had now been found. And so he, he will treat us in that way if we come back to him um, in repentance. And so uh, as we think of this servant in this parable, he did not uh, fully appreciate what the king had done for him. So so he's, given, he's released of his debt, again, an insurmountable amount of money, uh, millions or billions of dollars today. And he goes and he finds a fellow servant who owes him, right? A fellow servant who owes him, we're told, a hundred denarii. And he's demanding payment now. Now, a denarii is a different unit of, of uh, measurement or of money. A uh, denarii was, one denarii was a day's worth of labor, Okay, so you worked a full day and you got one denarii. Well, in this um, parable, in this account here, we're told that he owed a hundred denarii to this slave. So a hundred days worth of wages, um, you know, about four months worth of wages. Again, we're comparing the two, uh, the, this vast amount that was forgiven. And now this slave wants payment back for something, you know, much, much, much less significant. You know, four months worth of wages, a um, hundred denarii. And he and so this servant uh, who owed the hundred denarii, he made the same appeal as the first servant did. Uh, you know, he begged for um, for him to be merciful Yet he wouldn't give him the time to come up with the money, but he cast him into debtor's prison. It says that, uh, what's it say? It says he he had choked him and he cast him into prison. And while all this is going on, all the other fellow servants, they're paying attention to this. Are they not? Verse 31 tells us that, so when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved. And they came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. They are deeply grieved at what they had just witnessed. They had just witnessed this servant, his debts being forgiven. And he owed so much that there was no way for him to work it off. And yet when he went to another slave to ask for his repayment, he wouldn't give him a chance. He wouldn't give him a chance. He wouldn't forgive him. And so they are shocked. The other slaves, they go to the king and reply. Uh, Here was a man who truly could not recognize the beam uh, just uh, removed from his own eye by the mercy of the king. And he has now gone forth to remove the speck of his fellow servant's eye. Uh, Instead of condemning, he should have been forgiving. God wants to forgive us and, and he wants us to be forgiving as well. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. I, I hark on Ephesians because that's what we're studying right now in Wednesday evening. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. 
Paul wrote here. He said, you know, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. And then he says, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Right? Forgive one another. Why? Because God in Christ, while we are in Christ, he has forgiven us. So we need to forgive one another. So what was the, what was the Lord here, the king who represents God? What was his response to this unforgiving heart? Uh, when, when, when he had heard what was happened, he was angry, wasn't he? He was angry. Uh, he expected his servant to imitate his forgiveness, uh, but that did not happen. And because he had not, the master restored the original debt, again, this insurmountable debt, and delivered him to the torturers until he had repaid the whole debt. And imagine that, uh, this unending goal of repaying such a debt from within prison walls. Right? It, it's, it's an eternal process. There's, just, there's no way to do it. And so Jesus states in verse uh, 35, So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother of his trespasses. And again, I know I've mentioned this before, but um, you know, each of us, uh, the Bible says, has, has sinned in the sight of God. Our sins are worthy of eternal death. For we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, as Paul says in Romans. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Right? We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Right? Uh, uh, as it was mentioned earlier, um, you know, the, the, the sins of the past and of, of the future, all of those have been laid on Jesus, yet we have gone astray, uh, just like sheep. You know, we have turned to our own direction, and, um, but the sins of all have been laid on Jesus. And surely, out of simple gratitude for the release of such a great debt, right? Do we realize this? Such a great debt that we should forgive those uh, who sin against us, right? Because that's uh, how God um, wants us to live as Christians. That's how Jesus taught us to live as Christians. If one sins against us, we go to him and, and we, we talk about those things. And, and if he is repentant about it, if he's willing to you know, say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that, we, from our heart, need to forgive him. We need to him or her. And so uh, let's think of some, uh, in the few minutes we have left, uh, some applications uh, from uh, this parable of Jesus. Again, God wants those in the kingdom to have a forgiving heart. Well, how, how can we have a forgiving heart? Well, one thing we should always realize is that life isn't easy, right? Life isn't easy. Um, it's not always fair. Uh, things happen, uh, as we just read in, in the Sermon on the Mount, that the sun or the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. Right? Life isn't always fair. And, uh, if you're familiar with one of the minor prophets, Habakkuk, I know we don't always study the minor prophets as much as we should, but Habakkuk, he had this problem. Um, 
he, he knew that God was sending the Babylonians, the enemies of God, to come and to take them into captivity. And he was pleading out to God, God, this is not fair. Right? These are unrighteous, uh, unholy people, and you're using them to take us into captivity. You're using them to torture us and to bring us into a land that we've never known, taking us out of the promised land. How can you do that? How in, you, how in your holy nature can you use a nation as, e as evil as Babylon to destroy Judah? Right? That was Habakkuk's plea to God. This is not fair. Right? This is not fair. And such is uh, with forgiveness. Right? Because there are times that individuals uh, are not willing to forgive. Right? And so we need to realize that Again, that life isn't always fair. We can forgive. We've been commanded to forgive. We need to have the heart to forgive. Uh, but there are others uh, who may not be willing to forgive us. Right? So, so uh, we, we should recall that. Um, also, what happens in you is more important than what happens to you. Uh, recall uh, towards the end of the book of Genesis, uh, the story of Joseph. What did Joseph's brothers do to him? All right, they, they sold him into slavery. Uh, did they not? They, they, they took him uh, because uh, you know, he, he was a, a young lad and he had made some claims about how he was going to be greater than them. And they saw that their father had particular interest in him. You know, they gave, he gave him that, that coat of many colors. And Joseph was a little bit smug in that. And so uh, what his brothers did is they ended up uh, selling him into slavery. Uh, but then when we come down the road uh, towards uh, you know, a few chapters later, we find out, specifically in chapter 50, verse 20, uh, that God said, or, or excuse me, Joseph said, you know, the things that you've done, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Right? And, and Joseph forgave his brothers. Right? Joseph realized that, that the things that had happened to him in his life, that he, you know, at that time thought that they weren't fair, you know, things that weren't fair. But it turned out that um, it turned out for good. Right? It turned out to be part of God's plan uh, that he was uh, sold into slavery because he went into Egypt and he um, was put high in place in in the kingdom, and he, you know, had the seven years of great abundance, and they saved so much food during those seven years, and during the seven years of famine that came afterwards, you know, it was the, the land was hurting all around them um, because of that famine, but Egypt was well stocked because of Joseph, and Joseph was there because of the providence of God. Um, his brothers meant putting him into, uh, selling him for evil, but God meant it for good, right? And so uh, we see that um, he was willing to forgive uh, his brothers for that action uh, that they did against him. We also want to notice uh, uh, about uh, being forgiving, about how ha having a forgiving heart is that God is watching to see what we will do and how we will react. Um, let's look at what Peter Wrote in First Peter chapter two, starting in verse nineteen. 
In 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 19, Peter said this. He said, For this finds favor, for if the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right, the sufferer to suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. So he's a guy that is saying here uh, through, through Peter's writing that, you know, we are going to suffer in this life. Uh, but if we suffer um, because of, uh, of a sin that we have committed and we, um, we suffer through it and we get through it, we endure it with patience. Um, he says, you know, he says that, you know, you know, basically a big deal, right? You caused it, you, you suffered through it, you endured it, right? But this is what I want you to do, he says. But when you do it, but when you do what is right and then suffer for it and patiently endure it, now this finds favor with God, right? God is saying, again, he, he finds favor when you suffer for doing right, and patiently enduring it. Uh, we, we bear up under what is unfair, and you will have uh, God's favor. Again, uh, relating that to, the, to forgiveness, um, the, there was a preacher once who, uh, in, in one of his books, he said, you know, take this test, you know, take this, this mental test, if you will, of have I really forgotten or forgiven my brother, and ask these questions. You know, do, do I rejoice when I hear my enemy has had misfortune? Right? Is that something uh, that you rejoice of? Do I purposely avoid being in his presence? Do I continue to brood upon the wrong he has done to me? And would I help him if he were in need and I was, I was, I was able to? These are questions that uh, Wendell Winkler, uh, a preacher in the Brotherhood who has, who has passed on in one of his books, said that we should ask ourselves um, from time to time if we have truly forgiven uh, a brother of ours. Uh, do, I, do I rejoice when I hear that he's going through adversary or misfortune? Do I purposely avoid him? Do I continue to you know, think upon the things that he, he had done, maybe 20 25 years ago? I mean, is that still eating at me? Um, would, I be, would I help him if I was driving down the road and saw he had a flat tire? Would I stop and help him or would I just keep on driving? Right? Those are some good questions we should ask ourselves. Because uh, again, God wants us to be forgiving people. He doesn't want us to harbor uh, these ill feelings towards others. Uh, and we don't want to lead that or let those things lead to bitterness again um, in Ephesians, and we just we just read this passage. But again, I want to hark on this, and then we'll um, go back to verse thirty-one of chapter four. He says, "Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you." Again, God has released us from such a great debt, right? Um, he has forgiven us of our sins, something that we just could never owe, we could never repay, and he has forgiven us of those things, and so 
in return, when someone sins against us, when someone ill treats us, we need to be forgiving of them. Don't let bitterness um, overtake you. Stop replaying the offense over and over in your mind. And don't allow one wrong to cause another. Um, we, just, we just can't do that. Um, and what you do is more important than how you feel. Again, we, we don't have uh, time to dive into these in depth, but uh, just the main point we just want to remember is that we are the greater debtor, right? We are the bigger debtor. When all is said and done, the one who has sinned against you and has not sinned against you in any greater than you have sinned against God, right? And no matter how many sins that this individual might have done to me or to you, it doesn't compare to the amount that we have done uh, towards God. And how many times has your worst enemy sinned against you? And how many times have you sinned against your Heavenly Father? Right? Uh, that's something that we should keep in the back of our minds as well when we're uh, dealing with forgiveness. King, or forgiveness in the kingdom. Again, forgive one another. You know, it's, a, it's an ongoing battle. It's tough. We know it. Uh, but we can't give in to hatred and bitterness. And remember that our forgiveness depends on our willingness to forgive others from the heart. I don't know if I left any time for uh, questions this